What's up, good people all across the world? This is the Dripping in Black podcast. I'm your host, David V. Lewis. And per usual, we have a very special guest today. Um, It's going to represent Black excellence in a form we have yet to discuss. So I'm very excited about this young man and his story. And I can't wait for you viewers and you listeners to learn a lot about uh, our next guest. So without further ado, uh, our guest, would you introduce yourself? My name is Austin Martin. I'm from uh, San Diego, California, and I'm, I'm happy to be here on the Driven Black podcast. All right. So were you born and raised in San Diego, California? Yes, I was. Uh, I was born and raised in San Diego. Um, I've lived in Providence, Rhode Island, because um, I went to school at Brown University. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's where I, I, I've lived. But I'm sure we'll get into this. But I've also spent a lot of time in my life in Detroit. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, because both of my parents are from Detroit, and uh, just a couple of years before I was born, um, my father got a job. I think. It was either for job or for uh, for his education. Came out to mm-hmm. San Diego, and um, that's how I landed in San Diego. Okay, all right. So your parents are originally from Detroit, yeah. but you've grown up in and on the West Coast. Wow. Give us an idea. What is the West Coast like growing up? What was it like for you? Um, it's interesting. I think there's a lot of I, I would say that the West Coast is it's a melting pot for sure. There's a lot of different worlds operating at once um, on the West Coast, or at least in Southern California, more so than I've seen in other places. I think that in other places there's there's diversity everywhere, but I think in Southern California it's a different type of diversity um and and what i mean one thing that jumps to mind i mean there's like so much that encompasses i think growing up on the west coast but one thing that i think of in terms of like even cultural diversity is um you know in in southern california you got black people you got a lot of mexican people Mm -hmm. uh, you have a lot of white people you have a lot of asian people Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of Middle Eastern people. Mm. I think that although there's certainly, you know, there's certainly geographic division and, and, you know, these communities exist in different neighborhoods. Like if you think about a Los Angeles or you think about a San Diego as a whole, like all of these cultural backgrounds kind of exist in, un, under that, that county or un, in that, within that city. Um, another thing about growing up on the West coast, I mean, this is like just a, uh, obvious thing maybe, but just the weather Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's interesting kind of like, I guess I'm doing a little bit of like anthropology in my head right now, but there's certain things that it being sunny all the time, there's, there's consequences of that. Um, one of which is 
everybody plays sports. Okay. I'm not maybe not everybody, but like that's that's huge. You know, I uh-huh. grew up playing sports. And again, if I'm doing like the anthropology and the psychology and stuff like that, you know, sports is a big part of my upbringing, my life. And I learned work ethic through sports. I learned, uh, yeah, how to push myself, competition, um, mm-hmm. all kind of things like that. What else? I think that, um, it, yeah, it's like such a deep question about like, what, what was it like growing <laughs> up on the West Coast? I, I apologize for hitting you with the no, deep I stuff. I love it though. It's a great, <laughs> it's a great question. But I spent a lot of time, um, you know, I grew up on the West Coast, but had a, was fortunate to, uh, it's not like I grew up in the bubble of the West Coast. Like I said, my family, my entire, I'm like the only person in my family that's not born or raised in Detroit. My parents, parents are from Detroit. Um, you know, uncles, aunts, you know, cousins, everybody's in Detroit. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about, because you've done some, some great things in the realm of education. Um, on in a lot of different levels, in a lot of different ways. So I want to begin by talking about your early years in education through K through 12. What's a word or two you would use to describe that experience? Word or two to describe K-12. Hmm. A journey. <laughs> a journey. And, um, you know, I would say it's a, a a journey that that fluctuated. It's like, um, and I feel like this is like like anybody else. But I'm, I'm thinking of like, you know, when like little baby like ducks or something like they learn to walk and they can't get their footing at first. Yeah. Like I was like that, but eventually I got my footing, and then it was kind of smooth sailing um, at a certain point. But it took me a long time to get to that point. Is there a demarcation of when you got to that point, like a grade level or something? Yeah, ninth grade, uh, for sure, ninth grade. And I realized, too, that I didn't I, I didn't know how much at the beginning to introduce about what I do and all those things. Maybe we'll get to that later. Um, yeah. I, just just let, let me know. But um, ninth grade is a big part of my story because I uh, was not a good student really from or a good academic student yeah. um i would say from k through nine um <laughs> but i was without really knowing it i was practicing habits uh that would eventually benefit me academically and i was wow. um learning and challenging myself uh in many ways voluntarily but i wasn't i wasn't doing that within the confines of academia for a long time but eventually i started to do that and that demarcation was ninth grade and i could get into that whole story if you'd like but just let me know when oh uh it's free-flowing so wherever you want to take it that's fine i think you know i'm as you're speaking i'm coming up with questions and so when you said uh academically you weren't a good student what do you mean by that? You know, what, yeah. what, what kind of student were you? And you were using some skills that would later on pay off. So what was the measurement that you, when you look back on how you were as a student, that you saying you weren't a good, is it just the grades or was it something? something? Yeah, 
Yeah, it was really just the grades. Um, I, and it's funny, like, I know I was talking about sports at the beginning, but two things that I was, like, obsessively a student of growing up without anybody telling me to do it were, number one, hip-hop, um, which led to Rhymes with Reason, which is why I'm here. And yeah. I'll get in, dig into that a bit deeper. Yes, um, but, and then also basketball. And I remember, um, I can give examples of both, but when I like playing basketball, I remember I would do things as a, at a, as a young kid, like I would go outside and I had a hoop, um, uh, at my house, like in the uh, backyard mm-hmm. and I, uh, I wouldn't let myself go back inside until I hit 20 outside shots in a row. So mm-hmm. like if I missed 19, and or was like if I made 19 in a row and I missed number 20, I had to start back at zero. And like nobody wow. like told me to do that, but I just love that challenge of uh, pushing myself and and things like that. And also with hip hop, I would on my own time like literally study lyricists. I would you know look at their their lyrics. Um, I had CDs. Um, but around the time that YouTube first came out, like, oh, mm-hmm. six, oh, 2005, 2006, maybe mm-hmm. I would listen to music on YouTube all the time and look at the lyrics and kind of marvel at the way my favorite MCs use language and, and, mm-hmm. and put together metaphors and similes and entendres. And, um, and I studied it. I studied it. So I was a good student. I, I, uh, yeah. I was good at process of learning, yeah. but I just hadn't found how to connect that to school because yeah. I didn't think the school was interesting. I didn't yeah. see how it connected to my culture. I didn't see how it connected to my interests. Yeah. And that's why it took me such a long time. But in ninth grade, I made that connection. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like you said, I think that's the story for a lot of us, right? It's uh is is school actually geared towards our culture and our interests? Um, you know, it's an old model. We all know that. Um, but you know, so you have some challenges with school. Now let's get into uh, rhyme with reason. Yeah. Tell the world about rhyme with reason, uh, what it is, and how it came about. Absolutely. So picking up. On the previous question, which connects to the question you just asked, um, so in ninth grade, uh, it it really it really hit me. Um, it really hit me that I was I already knew a lot of what I needed to know in school based on my independent study of hip hop, especially in the humanities subjects. Um, you know, I knew every I, I had an expansive vocabulary. I knew how to tell stories. I knew um, persuasion. I knew a bunch of references to history, pop culture. Um, I knew, you know, uh, how to write with vivid imagery. And one concrete example, one of my favorite rappers, actually I would say my favorite rapper of all time personally is Lupe Fiasco. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge I was fan. hoping you were going to say Nas, but Lupe. I love Nas. I love Nas. But I, for my generation, are kind of, 
I was early maybe, but I would say, you know, for people, let's say 25 to, you know, 32, maybe Lupe uh-huh. might be there. Nas and he's my okay. man. So, um, I, I, he has this one, he has several lyrics where I remember being in physics class and he has this lyric where he said, I resisted like it's ohms. And he was talking about uh-huh. ohms law of resistance. And I was on, had a physics test and I remember like the answer because of Lupe's lyric. Wow. Um, um there's a bunch of examples of things like that. And at that point, and I was also maturing as a young man as well, I realized that not only did I already have the, the tools and the skills within me to succeed, but um, it, was, it was possible. And, and, I, and like, I could do it. I felt empowered. It wasn't um, like, it wasn't that far-fetched. So I started gaining confidence and I started to realize the importance of the moment around that time of my life, I had good mentors. So they say, Hey, you're in high school now. Like you need to focus. Like mm-hmm. college is coming up. This is where you carve out your, your trajectory for your life. Yeah. And I took it seriously. And I worked my way to becoming a good student once that I made that connection with my interest. And then I, by the end of high school, I had a bubble of 4.0 and I was accepted to Brown. So mm-hmm. at Brown, I had this idea. Um, again, I, I got, a beautiful thing about getting accepted to Brown was that I got exposure to entrepreneurship and exposure to um, like the idea that somebody close to my age could start a company, mm-hmm. start a tech company. Like I never, I thought that was like impossible to start a tech company. So talk a little bit more about what you mean when you say you got exposure, make it yeah, clear. Yeah. Plain. yeah. So literally like when I was there, there was people that were in undergrad with me that has started companies okay. wow. that I met. So wow. I was like, it was exposure in the sense of like, this is a living, breathing example of it. Like right next to me in one of my classes. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, wow, I can do this. And I had this idea. Um, and I one of the, and part of exposure, just to continue that point, what he told me, like, okay, yeah, I told this guy who started a company about my idea. And he's like, you should do more research on it. Like, see, um, I know that you believe that this is the case, but, you know, great companies and great ideas are also rooted in data, are also rooted in research. So I looked up the top 100 words on the SAT, and I found 67 out of the top 100 words on the SAT in popular, recognizable hip-hop lyrics and then i started building out so i looked at the top 1000 words and then looked at common core and then looked at history uh key terms um and started building a bank of academic words that exist in hip-hop music Mm. and that's how rhymes that's how rhymes with reason was born so rhymes with reason is a e-learning solution that allows uh students to learn academic vocabulary, build literacy skills, uh, and more via hip-hop and popular music from their favorite artists. Mm-hmm. So, so paint a picture for me. I'm a student. Yesterday, we didn't have Rhyme With Reasons. Today, we do. Yeah. What's the difference? Well, uh, there's a lot of differences. I think the main difference overall, I, you know what? I actually did an interview on this last week with a teacher um, who, her school, they 
we we launched an initiative, Rhymes and Reason launched an initiative with Chance the Rapper um, in 2019 and his nonprofit. Yeah. And we're supposed to launch it again later this fall. But uh, his organization sponsored Rhymes with Reason access for um, certain students and schools in Chicago. So this teacher was at one of those schools and it was right outside of Chicago, but I'm in the Chicago area. I talked to her, did an interview with her last week and this interview's coming out. I'm excited about it. Um, but in this interview, she told me, I asked her pretty much the same question. Yeah. And what she told me was that more than anything else, students feel heard mm. as a result of Rhymes with Reason. And I thought that was really, really powerful. Like, that's the biggest difference. Like, students actually have, with the introduction of Rhymes with Reason into your academic experience, into your school, you are delivering a product, you're delivering an experience to students that represents their voice and represents their interests and represents their culture. And, you know, in most schools, students don't feel heard. They don't feel like the things that they care about are represented or, like, being received doesn't feel like they're being listened to. And when a student opens up their laptop and logs in and they get to learn vocabulary, but they're learning vocabulary from Lil Baby or from uh, Future, mm. like, whoa, wait, you're, you're really listening to, you're really hearing me. Mm. And they can tell the difference. They, they can tell the difference because there's just not many things that, out there that exist like that. So I think that's the biggest thing. And and being heard enables a lot of other things. It, it of course, boosts up performance. But more than anything else, it it creates buy-in for the students. And it, and it makes it so that they care, which is the most important thing. Okay. So I want to bookmark uh, being heard because I want you to go a little deeper about what you mean by that. I think I get it, but I want to make sure the audience gets it. Yeah. Okay. But um. I think I want like in a literal sense, if I'm a student that walks into a class that has the platform, yesterday we didn't have the platform. So yesterday I opened up my computer and I see, you know, whatever they have in terms of a platform. Yeah. Today we have this new platform and with rhymes with reasons. What am I looking at? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So literally what you're looking at is so there's really two main things that you're learning one is vocabulary so um, one piece of what you get is a vocabulary workbook that covers fourth through 12th grade where you're learning uh terms common core and other state standard terms um fourth to 12th grade so you're learning those and then also you're learning literacy skill building uh, techniques and, and skills like tone, connotation, theme, figurative language, um, and more. But you're learning the vocabulary and these literacy skills all while listening to your favorite artists and through the music of your favorite artists. So all of these, all the vocabulary is coming out of lyrics from Drake and <laughs> Uh, you know, Rihanna and others. And then all of the examples where these skill you're cultivating these skills are also happening through the lyrics of the Drake's and Big Shines and, 
um, and folks like that as well. So it's a gamified learning experience that you're getting on your device um, where you're learning those two things via the, your favorite music. Yeah. So uh, I'm visualizing like a module, right? I'm opening up the computer. Is there a start point? Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So there's actually a placement, a placement test, a diagnostic placement test. That there's three uh, three levels. There's fundamentals, which covers fourth through sixth grade, essentials, which is seventh through ninth, and college prep, which is tenth through twelfth. So you get placed in one of those three levels according to your pre-assessment. So that's your starting point. And from there, you try to level up. You, you unlock new content. You grow through the program and uh, track your, you get through it, the program by achieving mastery on each respective word and these different skills. And your teacher, your administrator can see all your progress and see yeah. track your growth. So it's, it's wild, man. You just don't know how many questions are popping up in my mind. Uh, I got to ask this one. How does somebody create an online platform? I mean, it's one thing to have this thought, but how do you create that platform that has all of these different modules and all of this, all of the nuance that you have with Rhymes for Reason? How does that come about? Hmm, That's a good question. I I would say, okay, uh, there's a lot of different like components to the answer of it but i would say that to start um creating a a working prototype like basically you you what you just described and what i just described with this program has taken me years to arrive at that point you don't come out the gate and just say hey i have this idea it's gonna have pre-assessment it's gonna have tone and vocab it starts in a certain form um it starts really basic it started actually with i don't know if you're familiar with weebly but like uh, a web you know like wix or weebly started with like a landing page and we had youtube links and um dictionary.com and we had a uh you know a paper mache version and we had people try it and they told us like okay. what we should add and we still always are considering user feedback um you know critique and that allows us to make it better and better and better and better and better and better and that's where how we've arrived at this point um so the answer i think is that it's not something that you just come up with it takes years and it's still the version that exists right now is not even going to be what it's going to look like in three or four years like it's yeah it's going to be way better so i think uh what what connected to me there was you have you have the idea but you have the belief that you can make the idea come to fruition right and you arriving at brown and being surrounded by people who have actually done those things was huge in, in establishing that belief, but also you had your own talents and skills that you brought along the way as well. All right. No, no, but I, I honestly, like, yeah, I have my own talents and skills, but the exposure and certain people that have opened the door 
And I, you know, I, it's definitely not all me by, by any stretch of the imagination. And it's funny because, yeah, I think the belief is maybe the most important thing, but what people I feel don't understand that what people kind of get wrong sometimes is that you don't even have to, you don't have to be able to see the end product because that's mm-hmm. impossible. All you have to do is be able to see the okay. next step. Wow. You know, and, and, and because it's a step by step by step by step by step by step process. So it's easy to believe the next step. It's e- like when I first started and I was creating like a prototype version, somebody at Brown was like, I asked them like, how, same thing. How do you create a web platform? And they said, well, first thing you should do is buy a domain name. They said, you can start with a hundred dollars. Like if you have a hundred dollars, you could start. And I was like, all right, cool. And it's crazy because they, they told me that they said that 90% of people or more than that don't, aren't willing to take that hundred dollar first step. Wow. And they were like, that's how I knew you had potential. Um, right there. I took, I didn't have much money. Like I was an undergrad right there. I took my money and I bought, um, a subscription to we do right there. And and I started working. They said, okay, I got an idea for you. Why don't you link this, do this, blah, blah, blah. And next thing I knew, I had a prototype and it was something that I could build on. But I actually, um, I did something that I want to do and I've piloted it a little bit, but I, I need to do it more. But I had this idea to do workshops mm-hmm. for young people um, where it's like how to start a business with a hundred dollars. Wow. Um, because it's it's true. The first step is the most important step. You you probably if you're um like an ambitious person or somebody that's real inquisitive and likes to push themselves and challenge themselves, you put that hundred dollars down, you, you're gonna get addicted. Like you're gonna get addicted <laughs> to like building more and more and more because you've invested in your own future and you wanna recoup that hundred dollars. <laughs> like Yeah. All right. So let's talk about rhyme with reasons and where is it now in terms of the schools that it is in and uh, how much success are you having with it? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So we worked with this year. It'll be close to, it'll be probably 150 schools across the country. We formally launched in 2017. Hopefully we do more than 150. I'm feeling really uh, positive about this year um, in terms of e-learning and it's crazy the way uh, obviously the pandemic has been so difficult but for e-learning there's like more of a need for it Um, and we've seen incredible gains like we've seen things like in a there's this fifth grade cohort in San Diego where they're in a two-month span they were growing like a year in in reading by using rhyme with reason every day um in Detroit we've had some excellent uh performance with schools like Frederick Douglass Academy um yeah it's been fantastic I mean the the performance and like you know everywhere we've been it's been extremely positive um so I'm just excited to to see it grow more and see students improve more and with our new dashboards that we have 
we're able to track new elements of performance. So time spent, um, number of words learned. So each organization, each school will have different metrics that show different ways that their students are improving on Rhymes with Reason, which, um, you know, just proves our concept. Yeah. So I think it's important to note that while it's culturally enriching for the student, there is a tracking from a data perspective that administrators want to know about, right? It's a way to track what it's actually doing and uh, the impact that it's having. Talk a little bit about that. How do you track the data? Yeah. So, yeah, with our dashboards, basically the four data, actually it might be five. There's, we made it, you know, pretty simple not to make it too, you know, um, teachers and admins got a lot to do. So we wanted to make it simple for them, make their life easy. But we track the time that students spend. And this is new this year where we're tracking all these elements. Time students spend, number of words learned, uh, where they test into, and then where they finish, or like their growth trajectory in the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, their quiz scores, pre, and then uh, and pre-tests and post-tests. And then also uh, with, with all these metrics that are just li- listed, the average and aggregate for the, a school, um, you know, and the school can see different classrooms and then see the average, see who's performing below, who's performing above different students mm-hmm. who's performing below, who's performing above average. Um, so those are some of the things that we're tracking. Yeah. So uh, you come into the school, you add, in essence, a curriculum piece that's engaging from a cultural perspective, but it also helps to lift the, the students' uh, knowledge base, but lift the test scores as well. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. So I would think... Um, as this podcast spreads around the world, schools will want to be contacting you. Let's talk about how they can how they can do that. Yeah, so um, uh, if you want to go on our website, it's uh, www.rhymeswithreason.com, and um, you can contact us straight off of our website. My, you can reach out to me, Austin at rhymeswithreason.com, um, and I can be reached there. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I want to talk about um, you were you were uh, listed in Forbes magazine, 30 under 30. I mean, you know, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody on that list besides you. So mm. how does that happen? And what is what does that meant for you in your life? Mm. So, uh, yeah, I, that happened this year for 2020. I was listed as one of Forbes 30 under 30 in education. Um, so there's yeah. different, I think probably like 10 to 15 different categories for the 30 under 30. And the crazy thing about it is that you can apply. So I applied and I got selected. Okay. And I had um, reached out to some folks to write a, like a little recommendation testimonial and they, they selected me. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that's meant to me is really like going back to what we were saying about belief it's really just a testament to like just that journey and and that belief in myself in the beginning paying off more than anything else when you get that award it's not like they send you a million dollars in the mail with it (laughs) like 
you're on the list, which is an amazing thing. Um, and there, you know, it's, it's, it's a rare honor, but it's not like you get like a, like, yeah, it's not like some crazy amount of money comes with it or anything mm -hmm. like that. It's just amazing recognition. So, which is awesome. Um, but the most important thing about that to me is that it's just validating, like at the beginning yeah. of this process, um, like me believing in myself and people believing in me, yeah. like led me to this, led me to being Forbes 30 under 30, you know, at, when I was 20 or at 24. So um, that it's just like a, it's a testament to just say, keep believing, keep working hard, keep doing yeah. the right thing. Um, and the sky's the limit. Yeah. So I'm hoping that, you know, the people that are in my age range that like to watch podcasts and listen to podcasts, when they hear your story, they're inspired enough to want to get their younger, their kids and stuff to listen to your story. I think it's a remarkable story in that, you know, you started off as a typical student, right? Struggling a little bit academically, but still having some skill set that just wasn't showing up academically. And from that sprung an idea, you change your, your uh, academic performance, you end up in Brown, which is an Ivy League. And now you're attending what school? Uh, I'm at Harvard. Um, I'm getting my master's part-time while I run the company. And uh, honestly, a, a product of the Zoom pandemic and remote learning, I'm uh, remotely attending Harvard uh, School Graduate School of Education part-time right now. Mm -hmm. um, getting my master's like while while rhymes with reason is up and running. So yeah, yeah. So again, man, I, I, I'm excited about this uh, going out to the world. Um, the purpose of this podcast is to counter what we see often in the media with young black youth. Mm. Um, you know, I've known in my 51 years that I've seen black excellence all around me and I, I continue to encounter that. Yet when we look on the media, it's always just one image of us portrayed. So we're, we're combating the media with this podcast, man. And I'm just so glad you were able to join us. Um, again, I want you to shout out um, your social media. Yeah places where people can reach out to you definitely and i also i see a few comments here in the in the, the, the chat and I'll, I'll acknowledge those as well before okay. i sign off so um one question was about uh copyright issues with the song so uh rhymes of reason has digital licensing agreements with bmi ascap csac and um basically um they the publishers get a percentage of our, our revenue that we bring in as a company. And the, and the writers of the songs, performers of the songs, um, get a percentage of our revenue as a company. And they've grant, the, the BMI, ASCAP, and CSAC have granted us uh, licensure um, for our product. So we pay them and they get, make money off of them. <laughs> um, and then um, in terms of my, the handles um, for social media, so Instagram is our main, uh, that's where we're on the heaviest. So Instagram at rhymes with reason, um, Twitter at rhymes W reason. Um, and then Facebook, 
uh, just look up Rhymes with Reason, but the URL is Rhymes with Reason 1 on Facebook. Um, so yeah, look us up. Love to get our, our resource into the hands of, you know, your students, wherever you are out there, especially during this time when, while uh, we're challenged with remote, being in a remote learning environment. Like this product is already a e-learning solution um, that's built to engage students um, and make learning relevant to their life. So yeah, yeah, we'd love to connect. I got two more things. I really had one, but I thought of one more thing. I think it's kind of, I want to make this clear. What kind of hip hop? Is it like corny hip hop artists, you know, the kids really don't listen to on your platform or is it really the artists that the kids are listening to? I personally like, there's very few artists that I think are corny. Okay. um, For the most part, but it's a good balance. I mean, we try to focus on the ones that the kids are really listening to, Mm -hmm. but we also definitely have some older artists that are featured on there that their you know, their lyrics are shown and vocabulary from their lyrics is referenced. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, because a lot of the older artists are more dense lyrically, like yeah. there's more vocabulary in their, in their yeah. lyrics. Um, so it's a good balance, but we really are intentional about representing both because we, I do think it would be corny if we only did, artists that kids don't listen to anymore like i want to have that balance all right so it's one more question that i ask all of my guests uh have you ever been on the cover of a magazine no i have not all right so that's that's uh interesting to note you've had a lot of accomplishment but yet you have not been on the cover of a magazine well if you look at your screen you will see that you have made it on the cover of the Dripping in Black magazine. Oh, man, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. That, uh, it's like the new Black Enterprise right there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. So we will uh, get that out to you. That is our parting gift. If you look back on my wall, I got a couple of people we've interviewed already, and uh, we will get that to you. All right, excellent. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank so, you so yeah. much. We want to thank you for coming on, Mr. Austin Martin, and uh, Hopefully we can have you back on in the future and talk a little bit more about what you're doing at that point. Yes, sir. I, I would love to be back. I appreciate you for having me. Thank you. Up next, we have a message from Anchor and following the last strip. is the easiest way to create a podcast. Not only is it free, it has all the tools one needs to record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. Additionally, Anchor distributes your podcast to all major platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Anchor is an amazing one-stop shop for podcasting. Download your Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
Our thanks again to Austin Martin for coming on to the Dripping in Black podcast. Uh, such a dynamic young man, just 25 years old. Can you believe it? Uh, so he's accomplished so much already in his young career and just looking forward to seeing what the future holds for him. Um, but we have reached the final segment in our podcast. Those of you that have been following us know we call it the last drip. The last drip, we give you one last drip of black excellence before we leave you. And so we always try to tie it in with uh, some of the subject matter from the episode, as well as our vast and dynamic black history that gets shortchanged in our school systems. All right. So today we land on a famous Brown University alum. His name is Inman Page. He's the first African-American student to graduate from Brown University. Uh, Page would go on to leave a tremendous legacy in education, beginning as a high school teacher. Uh, as a teacher, of course, he has a great influence among lots and lots of students. One by the name of Ralph Ellison. Yes, that Ralph Ellison of Invisible Man fame. From teaching, he would go on to serve as president for four different colleges, the Lincoln Institute, the Langston University, Western University, Roger Williams University. And uh, in 1950, Lincoln Institute, now known as Lincoln University, renames its main library uh, after Emmy Page in tribute to his life and education. In 2000, Brown University creates a black alumni council that bears Emmett Page's name. Uh, this council is dedicated to making the Brown University experience, quote, optimal for its black community at all levels and in all aspects. Right, so a tremendous dedication to uh, Emmett Page. But for me, as I'm reading about his story, I think the thing that takes me is the time frame in which he graduates, and that's the Reconstruction era. And uh, for those of you that are not history-oriented, uh, the Reconstruction era follows the Civil War. It's a 12-year period. It's the first time we as Africans are free in this country from a legal standpoint. It's the first time we get to experience some rights in this country, and one of those rights is to attend school. And so just thinking about that time period in the context of that, to have the Emmett Page attend Brown University, a Ivy League school, and get this, in 1877, he's the valedictorian, right? And so he gives the uh, senior oration at the 1877 commencement ceremony. So leaves a tremendous legacy behind, opens doors for many, many people uh, to attend Brown University, including our very own guest, Austin Martin. All right. Thanks to blackpass.org, brown.edu, and library.brown.edu for the knowledge. All right. We will have to leave it there. But as always, get up on your own history and be good, be good, be good. It is a choice. Thank you.